And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Carry on our wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry. Hey everybody, take two of my intro to episode 33 of Lupa's Bits, the podcast, with your host, I'm sorry, my studio audience is shaking their head at me, with your host, Stephanie J. Barty. Ah, see? See? A.K.A. Lupa. I got it totally mixed up now because I got derailed for a moment, but we are back on track, and welcome. Um... It's been a pretty good week for me, I have to say. I I, I had a, a medical snafu earlier in the week, which some would say made it a not-so-good week. But all in all, um, even with having the seizure that I had, I used to have seizures on a regular basis. I used to have up to, I think the most that I had in one day was three in one day. And I used to have them every day. And, um, I got on a medication regime and I haven't had one in about two years or more. And I got complacent. I kind of cut back on my meds and started like, I, I would take them on my schedule. My schedule was 9, 32, 36, 39, 30. Take a full one at nine, a half one at two thirty, half one at six thirty, full one at nine thirty. And I cut out, I kept my full one at 9.30 in the morning. I cut out my 2.31 and stretched it to 6.30. And then I gradually cut out my 6.31. And then I would take the 2.30 and 6.31 at bedtime. And I, just, I started messing around with them. And I did really well for a very long time. But then my entire world flipped upside down. <laughs> and I kind of have been... I don't know. I guess you would say, oh, ooh, a perfect headrest. Right on. Okay, I'm comfortable now. I guess you would say I kind of been coasting along, sort of experiencing all of the emotions and things that I need to experience with the massive life change that I made, but kind of doing it wrapped in bubble wrap, doing it with this huge safety net under me. And gradually over time, that safety net has kind of been pulled back, which is what was supposed to happen. And I am on the precipice of another new step, another big change in my life. And that is living completely, totally, responsibly, (laughs) on my own for the very first time in my entire life. There won't be children in the house with me. There won't even be a cat. The only other living thing in the house with me will be Vera, my aloe plant. That's it. Um, and that scares that living daylights right out of me because I've never done it. So that's kind of been a stress and trying to get um, my financial situation sorted around 
is very stressful. It's that is still a stress that is hanging over my head right now. Um, there's been a lot of stress coming from, um, my ex and I have kind of been back and forth over a few things and there's been some stress coming from there. And even though we have a separation agreement in place and it's legal and it's binding and it's blah, 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 it's tax time. So when I'm doing my taxes, it's like, you had to, I had to put the separation date in there. And that's when it kind of hit me that I have been separated for well over half of a year. That, you know, in March, April, May, June, July, four months, it'll be an entire year that I have been separated. That I have been living, I mean, physically separated. We're not going to get into this, the, semantics of the relationship. If you've listened to my podcasts, you know. If you know, you know. If you don't, go back and listen. I'm not I'm not going over it again. But that kind of pushed me into an emotional state that I wasn't I don't know. I I don't think I was prepared for. Um but that's not even the right word for it, but I mean, it's been very real. But now it's governmentally real. <laughs> you know, it's tax real. <laughs> so, and I don't know why that is a big thing. I don't know why that, that, that is a, a big deal. You know, it's tax real. Like I'm looking at my Canada Revenue account online and it's like, you know, marital status separated July 13th, 2020. And it's like, <sighs> Okay, so now, you know, the government is aware. So that kind of, all of these things and then um, other stresses and things going on, weighing down on me and I'm not eating properly. I'm not, I haven't been taking care of myself properly like I have been. I'm not sleeping properly. And that's nobody's fault but my own nothing's nobody's keeping me awake but me you know I'm watching the tv I'm reading the books I'm playing the games I'm whatever I'm doing you know sitting at the kitchen table staring out the window into the abyss that is beyond my window until the sun comes up that's all on me and all of that kind of just built up and built up and built up and built up and boom I'm having a conversation with somebody and I can feel it coming. I've always, that's one thing I can say is I've always been able to feel them coming on and I knew it was coming and it was like, I got to go by. <laughs> I hung up as quickly as I possibly could while I still had some semblance of control over my hands. Um, they knew something was wrong and it was really funny because they didn't pick up on it first there was somebody in the background and they kind of asked, you know, is she okay? <laughs> they picked up on it first. Um, and it, even though it was just mild in comparison to the ones that I've had, um, most of my seizures last. And I know this is, they're not epileptic in nature. 
So when I tell you how long they last, don't freak out. Um, I, trust me, I have been medically examined from head to foot. I've had all the tests done. I have been wired from here to next week. I don't think at one point in time there was a square inch on my body that didn't have a wire stuck into it. My entire head looked like I should have been hooked up to a supercomputer with my brain in a jar. Um, I do still actually have some bald spots from <laughs> where they would rub, 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 rub with the, uh, with the anesthetic so that they could put the electrode on. And some of the electrodes they use actually go up under your skin. They're not fun. So, yeah, but my seizures, the longest one I've had was over five minutes, which is, I will tell you, scary as hell. Um, every single muscle from top to bottom in my body contracts at the same time. And I just, I shake. I am one solid, tight muscle. I had a seizure in the emergency room of Sunnybrook Hospital and... I kind of just slid off the chair onto the floor in triage and they just basically, they picked me up by my arm and my leg because I was one solid piece, put me on the stretcher, flew me down the room with my mom running after them the entire time screeching. And that's one thing about my seizures is I am completely and totally conscious of absolutely everything going on around me. And my ex was, he was, I will give him credit where credit is due. He was absolutely amazing through my seizures. All he did was he would just sit beside me and he would very calmly remind me to breathe. Because every muscle in my chest tightens up um, and my chest wall feels like it's caving in. And it doesn't help that my arms and my hands twist and my muscles and my arms contract in. So my arms are now over top of my chest as well, pushing down. So it feels like I can't breathe. The muscles in my face are contracting, in my th throat, in my neck, everything is contracting. And he has to remind me to breathe because I will hold my breath because it hurts like hell. It hurts. And I'm scared. I mean, I'm getting better. I can kind of almost, like I, I can mentally kind of get myself through it now, which is kind of good because, you know, I'm by myself. But I had one of those earlier in the week and it kind of reminded me that not only do is this a journey to better my mental and emotional health, but I need to take care of my physical health as well. Because if I don't, my body's going to go, hey, you, um, we have a problem and I'm going to do the floppy chicken. And luckily enough, Yes, A, I feel them coming. So if I'm driving, I can pull over. I have a good 10, 15 minutes from the start of when I know it's coming to it actually hitting to get to safety. Um, that is something that I've picked up over time. Staying on my regularly scheduled program of meds <laughs> um, also helps to prevent them ha from happening. Yeah, once we figured out the scheduling of the medications, like the times that I have to take them, they went away completely. And I have to learn to, like, you can't eliminate the stress in your life completely, but I can learn different ways of handling that stress and dealing with it um, without 
doing the floppy chicken. So even though that was a negative part of my week, um, it let me know that I am kind of heading in the right track, on the right track to where I need to be. And a reminder that I need to take care of my health as well, my physical body as well. Um, yeah, this one was only, I think, just over a minute. And I didn't pass out this time. Usually I pass out for up to a minute after. And I did not pass out this time. I was really sleepy. I was, I was, I was done. Um, apparently, I don't remember. Apparently I sent off a video saying, you know, like, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm going to bed. See you. Good night or whatever. And it, it, <laughs> I showed it to Crystal and it was like, oh, wow, how much did you have to drink? It really looked like I was beyond loaded, but that's all part of the after effects. And the next day, like you have the seizure, you come out of the seizure, but there's effects for at least two to three days after you suffer from brain fog, you, your muscle, I mean, when they took, um, when I had the seizure in the hospital, they took right away. Um, they gave me, I, they gave me a shot of something to stop of it, to stop the seizure. And then they took my blood right away. Like immediately, I'm not even finished contracting. And they're like stretching out my arm, holding my arm down. And I think it took like three nurses to hold my arm straight. And, um, they're, they're drawing blood. And, when they, the doctor comes in, he's looking at me. He's like, you're right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm sore, but I'm good. And he says, well, you have enough lactic acid in your blood to have run a triathlon. Do I know? And I mean, that triathlons are, are, are biking, swimming and running. What? He says the, the level of lactic acid was that of an athlete that had just run a tri, had just done a triathlon. It's fairly, fairly high. So they were in like every 15 minutes to half an hour taking another vial of blood out of me. I was beginning to feel like a vamp, like, you know, they were vampires to check to make sure that the levels were coming down because they were dangerously high levels. And he was concerned that if they didn't come down, then they would have to give me something to counteract it, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, even though the seizures suck, they are up to five minutes of a really good head to toe body workout. <laughs> you know, look for the positive. So that was kind of like the start to my week. And, you know, it wasn't great. I think that was Sunday. I think that was Sunday. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Sunday. We're going to go with Sunday. All the days kind of blend together. We're going to go with Sunday. But the rest of the week was actually um, fairly decent, you know, I've, I've taken my time to recover. Um, and I've been doing my, I got, I didn't do any TikTok lives, which I, I do on a regular basis because I'm trying to promote my books. I'm trying to promote um, Coffee Talk, which is something that I do. I'm trying to promote the magazine. I'm, I'm doing a lot of, of, I worked really hard and went to all of the follow parties to get my numbers, my followers up to a thousand where I could go live because I had plans. I had plans for when I went live. Doing the little videos on the side and getting followers that way, that was great. But I wanted to go live because I can sell when I'm live. If I can talk to you, we'll have a good time. 
So I do these lives and they're called Coffee Talk and they kind of morphed into Coffee Talk Cafe. I get on there and I've got regulars now <laughs> that come in every time I'm on. They come in and I've got their people from Ottawa and people from the UK, people from Australia. The one girl, um, oh, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. She's in Australia. And I actually introduced her and one other person. Well, I didn't introduce them. They met in my room. And they're both from Australia. They hit it off really, really well. They're both single. So I'm kind of, I'm they, they're DMing me how their relationship is progressing. So it's kind of cool watching this this go. Anyway, um, and I've, I've made some really good connections with people in other countries, like around the world, connections I would not have had otherwise. And I'm having a whole lot of fun. I basically, it's, it's basically like a podcast, but with music and I answer questions. Um, my moderators are like little bulldogs Somebody comes in the room and tries to create a ruckus. They are on it. Before I even know, usually, that something's going on, they're on it. And it's it's dealt with. Um, it gives me a reason to get up in the morning and actually put on real clothes, at least from the waist up. Do my hair. Most days, I put on a little bit of makeup, um, which I'm learning how to do. <laughs> flip on the ring light, turn on the camera, and I go. We have coffee together. And, <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. Um, and like I said, I've got regulars now that come in. You know, I will send them the link to the live, and they'll come and hang out with me for the three and a half hours that I'm there. And honestly, I have to end it because if I don't, I would be there, I'm sure. I'm sure I would be there all day if they let me. It was actually suggested to me at one point in time to do like a 24-hour marathon, but I'm going to hold off on that for a while um, and see that we're going to do that sometime later. But, I mean, I've got merchandise now I've got that I'm going to be putting up. I've got coffee cups and T-shirts and tote bags and pencil cases and jammies and, and you know, um, yoga pants, hoodies that people want that say, you know, coffee talk. Here's the coffee. This is the talk. Um, but it's got to be like you got to when I say it on my TikToks, when I say it in the live, it's like it's coffee talk. I got that Boston accent, and it's coffee talk. This is the coffee. Here's the coffee. This is the talk. And, you know, I'm going to have, like, this whole... I had somebody yesterday ask me if they could draw me, like, an icon for um, my TikTok, which I thought was really cool. And I was I was on a roll yesterday. I was coming out with the profound, deep bits of advice. I don't know where they were coming from. And... I had one of my regulars come in and they were having a pretty bad day. COVID had hit them pretty hard. They just lost their job. They were on the verge of losing their house and they, they came in to have a laugh. They came in to be cheered up. And um, we did that. And I, I say we because it actually has turned into a group effort. My moderators care. 
my moderators will see somebody coming in and, you know, they'll greet them. They'll say, hi, how you doing? How's it going? If they show an interest, then they'll talk to them. Um, they'll make sure that I see their questions. Um, they make sure that I, I know that I'm aware that the person is there and that they're doing, you know, they're saying, hey, how's it going? Um, so several of us were comforting this regular that had come in and, you know, telling them it's going to get better. Don't worry. And they were really stressing about the situation they were in and just, I don't know where it came from, but I got this, I guess, message for them. And it was basically, sometimes you have to lose absolutely everything in order to rebuild something better. It was like something like that. And they asked me if they could screen record me saying that. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. If you want to. So I said it again and they screen recorded it and they're like, thank you. I really needed to hear that. Um, and now they have a screenshot, a screen record of it. So they can play it when they're feeling, you know, on edge when they're feeling down or something. They can play that little bit that I said. And I guess everybody wants to make an impact in the world. Everybody wants to have an effect on another human being. They want to know that that they're helping or, or that, you know whatever. And in that moment, it let me know that I am having an effect. I am having an impact on people that however small my following is, however small my group is, it doesn't matter. I made an impact on that one person, that one person. I brightened that one person's day. What I said resonated deeply with them. And it kind of made me go, huh, wow. Maybe, maybe I, I do have something to contribute. Maybe I do have, I don't know. Maybe I am worthwhile. And that's the, that's the thing right there. We always struggle with our own self-worth. And that simple interaction kind of, I've been struggling with my own self-worth lately. And that simple interaction made me realize that I do have something to contribute. That I'm not just a joke or you know, a fun time or somebody to stroke your ego or whatever, you know, I'm not a pet project. I'm not a something to fix. That I am somebody with a gift of some sort. I can help somebody. I can uplift somebody. I do have knowledge and wisdom. Um, and I can contribute something to someone. 
however small. And size doesn't matter because I affected that one person. And I told them, you know what? I made you feel better. So now go out and do something kind for somebody else. And they, pro- they said, okay, I will. Not a problem. I will go out and do that. And I bet you they did. I bet you they even just going out and smiling at somebody else and lifting their day. You know? And I kind of... I will admit I did have selfish reasons for wanting to do the live. I've always been, and I know I'm going to catch hell for this, uh, especially Saturday mornings. (laughs) I've always been the person that people hung out with because of who I hung out with. It was never they hung out with me for me. They hung out with me because, yeah, I was all right, but I hung out with so-and-so. I knew so-and-so. I could get them in with so-and-so. And to all the popular events and, and you know, all the things. And doing the live, um, the people that come in, the regulars that come in, they come for me. Nobody else. They come to hang out with me. They came originally to see what I was about and stayed because of me, because of what I'm saying and, and the positive energy that I'm trying to put out and um, the messages that I'm trying to put out. And I mean, I don't, I don't put up with a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of crap that goes on in my room. My room is a safe place for everybody. doesn't matter. Um, and I have three rules, no politics, no religion, no draw. That's it. That's all. Play nice in my sandbox or my moderators will duct tape you and throw you out. (laughs) And then if you come into my live, that's like a joke. Um, and people come in and they just kind of lurk around in the background and, and hang out and, you know, it's fun. It's a safe place. And people come in and out and some will say, okay, I got to go for a bit and they'll leave and then they'll come back like an hour later. I'm still there. But it's been really, really good for my self-confidence and getting outside of my comfort zone and putting myself out there because I'm not one to do that. I will stand at my little vendor's table and wait for somebody to come over and then I'll talk to them. I won't, you know, actively go out and put myself out there and say, hey, look at me. And doing a live is throwing yourself out there in the hopes that somebody's going to come in and talk to you. Um, And then you have these complete strangers that come in and go, okay, entertain me. Make me want to be here. And you have to do that. And I try and stay as authentic to me as I possibly can. I mean, yes, there is a bit of um, showmanship that kind of has to go into putting yourself out there. You have to be entertaining. Um, Maybe I'm a little bubblier than I usually am. I don't know. (laughs) I was told I was very bubbly and I had a very positive personality and and all of that. And there's going to be some swishing because it's right over the mic. Sorry about that. But it's a lot of fun. So I actually do have, you know, more than just me to talk about this week, by the way. I came across an article the other day. 
And I don't even know what made me... Oh, I know. I was looking for coffee stuff because I've been collecting um, coffee expressions and coffee pictures and funny little coffee memes and stuff that I can use on my merchandise that's not copyrighted. So I came across this article and it's, did you know the world's first webcam? Okay. First webcam. Now we all take the cameras for granted now, um, unless you're old school like me. And you remember how you had to have that little ball on the top of your computer and you had to plug it in and the you know, then you had to twist it to kind of focus it. And it was just, it was a real pain in the butt and it wasn't portable. And now we have these massive, like, high def, massively good phone, like cameras in our cell phones. So this is going back to the very first, I need a freaking mouse pad, I'm telling you. The very first webcam. I'm going to read the article to you because it's really kind of cool. So webcams and video streaming represented a major slice of web traffic and billions of dollars in business, but it can all be traced back to one source, a humble pot of coffee in a lab in Cambridge. No, really. Video calls, TV streaming, legions of YouTube content creators and TikTok and Facebook and Instagram all owe a debt of gratitude to a handful of computer engineers who just wanted to monitor their coffee supply. The problem. University of Cambridge, 1991. The main computer lab was called the Trojan Room, and it was the home of a truly precious resource, a coffee pot. Now, ah, but not all the computer scientists working at Cambridge worked in the Trojan Room. They also worked on different floors or even in different buildings. And if they'd make the trip to the Trojan Room to refuel on coffee only to find an empty pot, they'd be very disappointed indeed. That's when computer scientist Quentin Stafford Fraser, best known for writing the original VNC client and server for Windows, had a brainwave. He rigged up a camera and pointed it at the coffee pot. His colleague, Paul... Jardetsky wrote software that allowed them to pipe images from the camera to their internal computer network. The image was grayscale, only 128 by 128 PX, and only updated three times per minute, but it did the trick. Dr. Martin Johnson was another computer scientist at Cambridge who used the coffee pot, but sadly, he wasn't connected to the internet network. However, in 1993, web browsers gained the ability to display images. Johnson decided to write a short script, only 12 lines, that sent the most recent image of the coffee pot to whomever requested it. On November 22nd, the Trojan Room's coffee pot went live on the internet and could be viewed by anyone around the world. The Trojan Office coffee pot became an early viral hit. Early internet users found the whole thing funny, ingenious, or both. Millions of hits came from all over the world. Users asked if the light could be kept on at night so they could see the coffee pot, and visitors to Cambridge would even ask about it. Ten years later, though, with the usefulness of the internet's first camera, when the usefulness of the internet's first camera had run its course, the software was getting old and unimaginable, and the scientists wanted to get rid of the hardware keeping the whole thing going. On August 22, 2001, despite the protests of fans, the camera was turned off. 
The event made the front page of the London Times and the Washington Post. It was also covered in Der Spiegel, Wired, and The Guardian, amongst others. The last coffee pot to be featured on camera is actually in a museum in Germany. Maybe it's not surprising that computer scientists who've named one of their most important languages, Java, <laughs> were passionate enough about a full coffee pot to be inspired to invent such a seminal piece of technology. Of course, on the internet, today's breakthrough is tomorrow's old news. In 2012, Dr. Strafford Fraser told the BBC, in 10 years, it had gone from being a wacky new idea to a novelty that a reasonable number of people knew about, to a widely viewed icon of the early web, to an historic artifact, and then to something that people were mourning over when it was no longer there. Only on the internet can that sort of thing happen in just a few years. <laughs> and I, I completely found that article fascinating that the very first webcam was that facing a coffee pot. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, I got a really funny backwards message. So <laughs> I'm going to have to give lessons on how to write backwards. I'm just saying, but I understood what it meant. But yeah, I thought that article was, was, really, really cool. Like who, I never knew the origins of the very first webcam and how it came about. And the fact that it was aimed at a coffee pot so that those that worked in a certain computer building could see if somebody had decided to make coffee or not before they made the trek to get said coffee started the entire fascination with taking videos and pictures and, you know, putting them on the internet so that other people can see and video calls. Who knew it started with a coffee pot and a camera. So there you go. I hope you learned something new. Um, I don't know. I just, it, it was really, really cool. And I mean, kids today will just kind of take all of that stuff for granted. They won't really understand the significance of the technology that they have available to them. We, speaking about me and people in my age bracket, we are the last generation to remember a time before internet. When we're gone, the next generation will never know, will never know a time without internet. They've always had internet. We are the first generation to have a household that didn't have a computer in it. Or a microwave. Or a cordless phone, for that matter. TV with a remote that you can sit on the couch and push the button without having to go over and change the channel on the TV. You know, that was that was your job when you were a kid. Go change the channel for daddy. Um It was it was how my sister got her hand beat every time my brother needed to be nursed. My sister was jealous of my brother when he was born. And every time my mom would get comfortable and situated on the couch, my sister would go over and pull all the knobs off the TV. Because she could. But we are the last generation to hear dial-up. Do you remember dial-up, that sound? You'll never forget that sound. But our kids will never know that sound. That'll be a retro sound. 
Like, oh, yeah, that's what internet used to sound like. You know, I've never heard it in person. I have. And God forbid. Oh, do you remember? Okay. we You would have your dial-up internet. And this was before they came out with call waiting. So you'd call all your friends and say, okay, I'm getting on the internet now. I'll meet you in the chat room. And you'd all get on the chat room because you couldn't use your phone. It would completely tie up your phone line. So then we'd all get into the chat room with our friends and we'd continue the conversation. And then they introduced call waiting. That had to be the bane of existence to every teenage girl everywhere. At least it was for me and my friends. Because we would finally get all our chores done. Dishes would be done. Room would be clean. Homework would be done. And it'd be like, okay, you can have computer time. Dad doesn't need the phone. Mom doesn't need the phone. Nobody's going to call. It's after 7 o'clock. You can have computer time. So we would all get on the computer. And then they invented call waiting. And if you didn't remember to disable the call waiting, if somebody called you, it kicked you off the internet. And if you had a message, you couldn't connect to the internet because your phone line was doing that. Beep, 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 beep. So you couldn't connect to the internet until you checked the messages. And in my house, my kids, like my parents had a passcode for the internet, for the messages because I might have deleted a message or two from my teachers that may have gotten me into a little bit of trouble and I just didn't feel like being grounded that day, week, month, you know. So they put a password on the phone so that I couldn't get the messages. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had a pretty good week. Um, I spent the weekend at, well, I spent Saturday, Saturday night and part of Sunday at the big house, um, dog sitting, which was fun because I absolutely love Dobby and Willow. And well, it was fun until bedtime. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so I decided that I was going to do one of my marathon binge watches and I have like a series of movies that I watch, um, that I will binge like from start to finish and like, you know, twilight just because, you know, something needs to be on and I can fall asleep. I usually watch them when I'm really sick and I'm kind of napping and I'm in and out of consciousness. Um, Lord of the Rings. And that's the one that I decide that the star Wars, I will do the, the star Wars movies. Um, I will do like a Marvel marathon. I've done that. There's a whole lot. So that usually takes more than just a weekend to do. But, um, I decided that this weekend I was going to do the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So I started with Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, and then, you know, the Two Towers, and then Return of the King. And <laughs> um, I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I did that. I did the Lord of the Rings marathon, and I was kind of watching... And I'm looking at the Hobbits, and and I'm thinking, Hobbits, when, when J.R.R. Tolkien wrote the um, Lord of the Rings and all of that, he must have designed the Hobbits around the actions and movements of small children. He had to have. 
I mean, you think about the way a hobbit eats, okay? There's breakfast, and then there's second breakfast, and then there's elevensies, and then there's lunch, afternoon tea, and dinner, and supper, and then bedtime snack. Now, think about how a child between the ages of two and seven, how they would eat through a day. They will eat at all of those intervals throughout the day. So I'm really beginning to think that hobbits were designed after the children are just hobbits. They're, they're hobbits. And as we get, as children grow and get older, they go from being a hobbit to, you know, they have their, their, their strider phase and their, their elf phase. Well, I think your teens and early twenties, mid twenties would be more of like the Legolas stage. And then you go from Legolas into Aragorn in your mid twenties, early thirties into your forties, because, you know, and then as you hit your fifties, you kind of cross over into Gimli. You're gruff, you're grumpy, you're starting to shrink, so you're getting shorter. You probably drink... Yeah, you're, you're kind of into the Gimli phase of your life. And then once you hit like 70 and above, you are full on Smeagol. And the older you get, the more Smeagol you become until you are full on Gollum and that's it. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the Lord of the Rings and I'm looking at the various characters like the hobbits and the elves and the humans and the dwarves. And I'm thinking, wow, there are the stages of your life right there. All the different stages of your life are laid out in front of you in the various characters that I'm looking at. Because, I mean, you think about it, hobbits don't care about their figure. They don't care about how much they eat. And they will eat constantly and then sleep. They do silly things. I mean, look at Merry and Pippin. They get into trouble. They do silly things. They're not afraid of danger. They like to climb trees. They play in the dirt and live in holes in the ground. So hobbits are kids. And then when we hit our teens and our early 20s, we're, we're very... We want, we want to think that we're very ethereal. We're very magical. We're very, at least girls do. And, you know, the guys are very beautiful and, and, you know, and then the, the boys grow up into men and they become Aragorn. And the women do kind of take on that, that Aragorn-esque quality. And then we all just get grumpy as we get older. We just don't care. We don't, we don't care. You're over 40. You don't care. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so you're Gimli. You're that little dwarf. You just, you don't care. Just don't throw me. Just don't pick me up and throw me. And then, you know, you turn into that grumpy old man or grumpy old woman sitting on your front porch yelling at the hobbits to get off my lawn. You're Smeagol. You know, you're petting your cat. My precious. You know, yeah. So... I'm, I'm, yeah, I was, I was really weird. I'm watching the, the Lord of the Rings and thinking there are the stages of your life right there. 
laid out in the characters. But the biggest one that struck me was the hobbits and how he had they they had to have been created. He had to have used children as the template to create the hobbits. He had to have because hobbits are very childlike. They they are they are kids. Every child that I know from my kids when they were small to my grandchildren, to my nephews, to my niece. They're all hobbits. Every single one of them. My nephew even has the big feet. Not furry yet, but, you know, give it time. And you see them running around outside playing in the dirt, and they got the dirty feet, and, and yeah, they're hobbits. Children are hobbits. That's all there is to it. So, yeah, it's been a good week. So that's kind of how I started my week, watching that, and then doing my TikToks and my lives this week. Um... Got the magazine out this week, so that was an achievement. And uh, I'm very, I'm, I'm okay. I'm gonna kind of pat myself on the back a little bit. I'm very proud of myself. I actually managed to get all of the things for the magazine, like the stories and the poems. I don't actively really have to go out and look for because people just send them. They do. They just send them. They're there. Art is a different story. Art is something that we usually have to actively pursue. I have my theories, I have my comments, I'm going to keep them to myself. But yeah, art is something that we have to kind of go to the artists and say, hey, do you have anything you want to put in the magazine this month? Um, and I managed to get a new artist, for one, in the magazine, and get the allotted four pieces that we're supposed to have for the magazine for this month. So I am patting myself on the back. I'm very proud of the fact that I did the entire magazine. Well, okay, not the entire magazine, but I got all the stuff edited and put together and sent off to the person to do the coding all by myself. So, and it's a really good magazine this month. Uh, it's a good magazine every month, but um, there are some really good stories. And being February, um, as I said in my intro in the magazine, it's it's the month of predictions. Thank God the little groundhog. Although there are questions about the Ontario groundhog. We're still not quite sure if he's alive or not. Um, though there's predictions like early spring, my birthday. Um, there's a couple of other people that fall within the month of February for their birthday. Um, Chris... Vice, who writes for the magazine, he's one of them. He has a birthday in February. Happy birthday, Chris. It's kind of like a romper room thing. So yeah, I'm really proud of the fact that I managed to do something that I didn't think I could do, that I have kind of been avoiding doing um, for a while. And you may have noticed the acoustics have changed since part one. I kind of um, paused. I had to go and like do some adulting. And I am now podcasting to you from the luxury of the bathtub. So this is part two of episode 33 from the bathtub now. <laughs> but I wasn't quite finished and I ended up having a phone call come in, which stops the recording. So I decided that I would wait and finish the podcast um, from said bathtub. Because, I mean, it's not like I haven't podcasted from water before. I have. Uh, just usually a lot bigger container of water than a bathtub. <laughs> but I do love my baths. I do. I'm a bath person. But um, 
There was a few things that I wanted to say before I closed out this podcast. And that is thank you to everybody who makes my job at the magazine. So absolutely easy. Um, you guys are awesome. And doing, taking it over, taking over the art this month scared the living daylights right out of me. I was terrified that I was actually going to have to ask the one person in the world that I did not want to ask for help because they are busy enough as it is. Um, and I managed to do it on my own. I mean, yes, granted, he did make all of the introductions and a couple of the artists, Zoe and Vincent, made it really easy by having already submitted or immediately submitting art to me. But, you know, I wanted to do him proud. I wanted to show him that his faith in me was not ill-placed. And I kind of hope I did that. I also owe the same person a huge heartfelt apology. Um, We had a debate the other day, and I swore up and down I would have defended it with my dying breath that I had mentioned this already in the podcast. And today I asked two people that I know listen to my podcast faithfully every week and have listened to every episode if I had mentioned this in my podcast. And I got a, mm, no girly, you have not. And I was very, very ashamed of myself because... The gift meant so much to me. Um, I mean, I cried. I cried when he told me. I cried when I received it. And I still haven't even put my hands on it. And it it already means the world to me. Um, there was so much thought and care put into this gift that it just... I, I don't know. It just... It was one of the sweetest gifts I have ever received. Uh, honestly, flat out. One of the sweetest, most thoughtful gifts I have ever received. Um, I mean, he knows how much my Irish heritage means to me. He knows how much um, I want to go to Ireland. And Dave bought me, for Christmas, bought me um, a title. He's the first person in 49 years who has ever been able to make me a lady. My parents have tried. My grandparents have tried. My um, spiritual advisors have tried. Nobody has been able to make me a lady in 49 years. And in one fell swoop, against, uh, not against, but without my knowledge, I am now a lady. <laughs> he um, He bought me a one foot square plot of land in Kerry, Ireland. So I am Lady Stephanie Barty of Kerry. And yeah, I am an actual titled lady. I'm sitting, I'm sitting here and, you know, I do actually have tears streaming down my face. Oh my God, I'm going to cry in this episode too. Um, there, I do have tears and I'm like grinning like a fool from ear to ear because this is like the coolest gift I have ever gotten. And I mean, he, to me, it shows that he actually really listens to me when we talk, that he understands 
what the Irish part of me means to me. And, you know, he put a lot of thought into the gift that he gave me for Christmas. So I wanted to apologize, A, for not mentioning it sooner and not um, thanking him for being the absolutely amazing human being that he is and for um, arguing with him the other day that I did mention it. I'm really, really sorry. And I apologized on my TikTok live today to him. I don't know if he was there when I did. I know he pops in and out. Um, But I know for a fact he will hear me apologize to him now because he has to edit this. And he thinks he's already heard the apology. Um, He thinks that I forgot to do the apology. Um, But no. I, I did not want... He is my, my, my studio audience. And I wanted this part to be a surprise. So I didn't want to record this part um, with him watching. Because I wanted it to be a surprise. I wanted him to know how much I truly appreciate him. And how much I truly appreciate and cherish the gift that he gave me. And that I am truly, honestly, and massively sorry that I have not mentioned it sooner, that I've not told you guys about it, because, I mean, I <laughs> I can't wait to get my hot little hands on it and get it framed and hang it up in my new apartment when I get it. And then be like, look it, look it. Y'all need to bow, I am a lady. And, you know sit on the floor cross-legged and go, what? I'm a lady. I can. Burp and go, yep, I'm a lady. (laughs) Because he made me a lady. I am a lady. Lady Barty. I am a lady. Yep, that's me. (laughs) So thank you sincerely and truly with all of my heart. Thank you. Um, And again, I am sorry that I did not mention it before. I should have, because it is really the coolest gift, and I honestly thought I had, because I've told everybody. I have told everybody about this really cool gift. But I apparently didn't tell you guys, and I, I, minor oversight, well, major oversight, but yeah, terribly sorry. So, thank you for the amazing gift. And, uh, yeah, as soon as I can get my hands on it, because it's at my sister's. He sent it to my sister's, because that's where I was. Um, and um, it arrived after I had already come back home. So it's sitting at my sister's waiting for me. And as soon as I get it, I'm going to get the coolest frame for it. And I'm going to see if I can get a hold of a picture of um, the Bacaldon family crest. And I'm going to have that put on it Um yeah, so I'm like, I'm really excited. So, yeah, thank you, and I'm sorry. Okay, everybody, I am out of here for this week, and I will catch you all next week. i see ya. Carry on all the way, son. There'll be peace when you are done.
Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry, Don't you cry.